0: Welcome to the All of Life podcast from Redemption Church Tempe, where we have conversations on faith, culture, theology, and beyond to help us live all of life, all for Jesus. Let's jump into today's episode.
1: Welcome, everyone, to the All of Life podcast. Uh, I am sitting here with uh, Jordan Unterberger. My name is Jim Mullins. Uh, We are starting something new since we're in Advent. We're going to be doing interviews each week around our different Advent themes. Um, The the big purpose of Advent this year is uh, to become a people of prayer and action in response to the God who hears our prayers and takes action. We're teaching and reading through Mary's prayer in Luke 1, and we're highlighting different prayer and action groups each week. And, uh, we're calling our congregation to come alongside those prayer and action groups by giving and acting and, uh, praying. So, um, we're going to do that. Uh, we've got a good interview today. Uh, but, uh,
2: for, for this week, what's the focus, Jordan? Yeah. So for this week, the focus is, uh, criminal justice. Uh, and so we get to hear from Brian Cox and Bethany Vanesh and, uh, Yeah, I mean, these were both really good interviews. I'm excited for you guys to be able to to get to hear them. But, Jim, I'm curious. I want you to tell me a little bit more about what are we going to be doing, like what is the purpose of these podcasts over the next couple of weeks as we're in the Advent series?
1: Yeah, mainly it's to help people know how to pray and how to act uh, in relation to the focus of the week. So since we're focusing on criminal justice this week, we had a conversation with Brian Cox, a member of our church. In my mind, one of the most theologically sharp guys I know. Um, he, he spent some time in prison and has thought deeply about these things. He's going to talk about life in prison, the way that God moved. And then Bethany uh, leads our prayer and action group on criminal justice and has done a lot of good work with prison fellowship over the years. Mm. With, uh, with those two interviews what
2: what should people look for like what what stood out to you that that people should listen for yeah I think just the the real and honest experience of what it's like to both be in prison and to be working with people who are in prison I think you get both sides of that perspective with Brian and with uh, Bethany um and I think it's just, it's real and it's honest and it's raw and I think that we get to hear kind of what how God is moving inside uh, pr- uh inmates lives.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and so uh, listen, listen for the ways to pray, listen for the ways to act. Uh, each week we are highlighting um, prayer, action, and giving. And so just to reiterate, for prayer, we're calling people to daily prayer at 1 p.m. Set the alarm on your phone and pray through Mary's prayer. We actually have a prayer guide that we put in the flyer, that walks you through how to pray through that prayer, and why do we do one forty six p.m. Ah, good question. Because it's the the passage starts at Luke one forty six. Mm. Um, so if, if if you need to find a better time, yeah. like if that's the middle of the meeting with your boss, like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe you should figure out a different time. But that just sticks uh, one forty six because the passage starts on one forty six. So so that's what we're doing for prayer um, for action. You know, we called people to do Angel Tree, which was buying a gift for a child who's incarcerated, and, and uh, these families are, like, coming from the area around our church, mm-hmm. and it was crazy because, like, we couldn't contain the congregation. Like, they swooped them up all off the tree before Man. we could even—like, all of them were taken, Dang. so we had people who, like, almost tried to fist fight us because they <laughs> wanted to help. Um so th- that that option isn't there anymore but you'll hear if you want to dive deeper into this you can reach out to me cuz we'll let you jump in on the prayer and action group and mm. really go deep on it. Okay. Um and then for the uh offering uh part of our Advent offering this year is going towards Hustle Phoenix which does entrepreneurship training for those who are incarcerated. So before they step back into society, actually getting trained to be entrepreneurs and to start businesses and those sorts of things, because economic flourishing is a, is one of the biggest preventers, uh, from recidivism, like returning back to prison. Mm. And so many crimes are actually economic crimes. Yeah. But uh, do you, do you know much about Hustle Phoenix? No, not really, actually. It, it is a great organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they're they're now getting into prisons. They they do entrepreneurial training in economically distressed areas, but this is like, um, this is
2: where they're 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 starting that initiative in the prison. So okay. And if someone's hearing this and they want to partner with Hustle Phoenix, how can they do that?
1: Well, I think the first way is um, we're giving in our Advent offering, and we've got the QR code on the little flyers that we handed out on Sunday, and then there's also, um, like, on the website, things like that. Okay. They can do that. And then um, there will be some more volunteer opportunities in connection with Hustle Phoenix in the in the weeks and months to come, or more like the months to come. They're not yeah. going to do anything before Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> nice. So that's it. Uh, we encourage you to listen to Brian Cox and Bethany Benesh and hear from them about how we can – uh, pray and act in a way that really responds to God. I'm sitting here today with Brian Cox. Uh, he is one of my favorite theological minds, uh, someone who I uh, enjoy having conversation with and who've, uh, whom I've learned from a lot, um, uh, learned a lot from. And uh, apparently I didn't learn grammar from him. <laughs> um, so, uh, Brian, thanks for jumping in on the podcast. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your your bio? Who are you? How did you come to faith?
0: Well, I was uh, raised in a cult. I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. So I was one of those guys who knocks on your door, you know, ungodly hours of the morning when you're trying to sleep in on the weekends. Mm. And uh, that didn't really work out for me. I couldn't uh, maintain the uh, the works. You know, it was always works. And uh, you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to show up here. You got to do the other thing. And so I was kind of leading a double life, and they found out about it. And then they kicked me out of the church. And mm-hmm. so, during my college years, I was um, flirting around with different ideas—atheism. But Atheism—it's just not a lot of logic, you know. Mm-hmm. Going through it, and um, there's—you have to have more faith, you know. Yeah. And so I couldn't—I couldn't intellectually get get on top of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, agnosticism is kind of where I landed flirted around with some, uh, uh, paganism, uh, American Indian type flow. Um, but nothing really, you know, stuck. So, um, I started drinking a lot and, mm-hmm. uh, I got arrested for a DUI and they told me, uh, you have to do community service hours. Mm-hmm. And the closest place to my house to do that was a church. Mm. And so, uh, where it, were you living at the time? Right across the street here, right here in Campy, yeah. 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 And so uh, the church was uh, Calvary Chapel right Mm -hmm, there. mm -hmm. And so I I started going down there, and uh, I thought, these people are weird, man. You know, praise God this, praise God that. I'm like, who talks like this? (laughs) Uh, But I did realize that just the guy was nice. You know, he Mm -hmm. was welcoming. Um, He left me alone, you know, which is, I mean, I'm not— going to steal anything from the guy, right? I'm just trying to do my community service hours, and I got a house, I got a job, but uh, you know, when you're doing community service, some people look at you like that. They're like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, don't leave him alone, or he's going to steal this, or he's going to do whatever he does, but uh, he was very trusting, very uh, at peace with himself. I just remember he made an impression on me. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, that guy is actually Jim Remington. He's now senior pastor of the Queen Creek Calvary Chapel, I believe. Okay, yeah. So uh, it piqued my interest. I started talking to him about Scripture because I thought I knew Scripture. hmm And uh, I was in for a shock. First of many, mm-hmm. I found out I didn't know Scripture. Second of all, I didn't know a lot of the things they were talking about. I didn't understand grace. I didn't understand. I, I, I just didn't speak the language.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I didn't have a, a, a reference or framework for the concepts, so I talked my to my wife, and she and I started going to the church,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and um, messed around. When they got saved, man, it yeah, was, it took a while, but it took a while because I I couldn't get my head around the idea of grace. Mm. Like, why would someone do that? You mm. know? Or why would they do it for me? Yeah, it made more sense when I had kids, you know. Yeah, but. uh Yeah, once I started getting into that, my mind was just absolutely blown. Yeah. And it was as though my worldview, like when your worldview switches, uh, it's very unsettling. Yeah. It's like you're about to fall over in the back of your chair when you lean back too far. You know that feeling? Yeah, yeah. It's like that feeling. You're like, where's the ground? Yeah. You know, everything I believed about God is different and wrong. So um, it was pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, But it wasn't immediately as transformative uh-huh. as it could have been. So
1: yeah, yeah. Well, um, your your story uh, overlaps with with our topic on criminal mm-hmm. justice and prison and those sorts of things. Uh, can you talk to us a bit about how those have intersected? Yes. Well, I um, first of all, there's there's. N- I'm glad I got
0: saved outside mm-hmm. of prison. Um, because there's not a lot of, um, it's, I think the state has stepped away from the idea of, uh, a penitentiary. Mm. So penitentiaries used to be about making someone penitent or leading them towards the path of repentance. Yeah. But nowadays it is not, it's about punishment mm. and, um, that's not necessarily wrong. Um, but it's not transformative at all. Yeah. You know, you can't educate someone into morality, um, I mean, you can give them good reasons, yeah. But um, you know, the power isn't there, yeah. Um, so if your faith is in the criminal justice system, it is misplaced.
4: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: You know, just like it's misplaced if it's anything but God. Mm-hmm. But that leaves us with the question: what is the state supposed to do? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, there, that's a that's a question that could go on for days. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like, what about special interest groups? Uh, for instance, uh, DUI uh, sentences are sometimes as steep as uh, for killing somebody.
4: Yeah, you know? absolutely.
0: And, uh, you know, if there's a crime where there's no um, loss of property, loss of damage, um, or injury to person... Yeah. It makes you wonder kind of, I see it as a preventative measure, which of course it should be. Yeah. But it's also a mental health issue. Yeah. And that's the thing. So in a lot of these prisons, you you see guys put away for different things. Yeah. But you don't see that those are just symptoms of what's happening underneath.
4: Yeah.
0: And so what's happening underneath is a lot of mental health problems, drug addiction, things like that.
1: Yeah. And if
0: you address those problems, the other problems will take care of themselves, I believe.
1: Yeah. And so currently you have a Bible study that serves uh, folks who are incarcerated. Uh, What does that look like? Um, They are not incarcerated. They're
0: recently released. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what we do is right now we're going through the book of Jonah. Uh, We just, um, you know, verse by verse and uh, they, we all meet on zoom. So they'll show up from their, their rooms where they're at uh, in their halfway house or in their, um, um, sober living facility. And, uh, They're sharp guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pastor Warren came one Mm -hmm. time and he's like, man, he says, I'm going to have to up my game. These guys know their stuff. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you're sitting around all day uh, with no no movies or, you know, I mean, you're not usually sitting around all day,
3: Mm -hmm.
0: but you definitely have time to be in your word. Yeah. And uh, these guys are in their word. So um, what it looks like is is, uh, you know, when you go through the scripture, you want to, you know, make some sort of personal application. But I also try to make some sort of connection. Yeah. So, uh, in the book of Jonah, somebody runs from God. It's like, have you guys ever run from God? How'd you run from God? And it gets quiet for a moment, but as soon as somebody opens up, the rest of them will open up and they'll start talking about things. Usually I'll tell a story and throw myself under the bus first. Mm. And, uh, that usually opens the floodgates. Um, but we also have, um, one of my friends who's still incarcerated, his mother comes because we've been ministering to her, and uh, and then her other kids started coming,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, so so we're we're open for people who are not incarcerated to, to join as well. It's not mm-hmm. a closed meeting, and it uh, has really been exciting to see the Lord work through it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, how does Scripture and and Immersing oneself in the Word hit at some of those things that are deeper than the symptoms uh, that often lead to the incarceration. Well, the Word of God's
0: like that surgeon's knife, you know, man. It cuts open and and uh, it reveals the heart of the issue. Yeah. So, like with Jonah, you know, I've heard so many people preach about it as well. He needed to repent, and it's about repentance, and it's not about repentance. It's, I mean, by the end, he sort of repented, but mm-hmm. you got to read chapter four, you know. Yeah. Um, well it's about a God of big grace, mm-hmm. you know, who loves Jew and Gentile, who loves prophet and sinner, who loves everyone and yeah. works with everyone very patiently, mm. no matter what it takes. And that message of grace is the message that changes your heart. Because it's it's not about you anymore. It's about the God who loves you no matter what you do, and that changes you. Yeah. You know, love is a, a, a just a a life-changing thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you spent some time incarcerated. Uh, what did that look like? What? How, how did it get there? How much time were you there? Kind of give us the picture of your experience there. Well, this last time was six
0: years, three months. Mm-hmm. Um, the first year I was at a uh, a medium facility down in Yuma called Cibola. Mm-hmm. And that looked very dangerous. It was, <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know, that was only the medium security. Mm. Um what do you mean? What did it look like as far as just my day-to-day type?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. What, would, what was day-to-day like there? Like what What do people, um, you know, I think people can kind of think of big picture stuff, but like what does day-to-day look like? Yeah. Okay. Well, there's two ways it can go. You can either be on
0: a working yard where you have to go to work every day or you have... Um, like a medium security yard where most people don't work. You, you do have people who are working in the kitchen and whatnot, but a lot of the working yards you work off site. So like at a, at an egg place or at a dairy, mm-hmm. um, things like this where you're gone all day and then you just come back and sleep and then you get up the next morning, and do the same thing. Um, they farm; It's farmed out labor. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're working on the yard, it means you have most of the day to yourself. You have to be certain places for count. So, um, if you're not at your bunk, um, you, you, you're going to get in trouble. What you have to do is you have to be here at this time, then you go eat, and then you have to be here at this time, and then you go eat, then you have to be here at this time, and then you go eat. Other mm-hmm. than that, it's usually open yeah. all the time, and you can mingle around. Um, this yard that I was at in, in Yuma, there 1,200 men on it, so there's 600 on the side, two different dining rooms. It was a big place.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And so most of the guys spent their time out on the yard, working out because um, that's a requirement for a lot of people. Um, prison is divided by race. So if you're Mexican, you run with the Mexicans. If you're a Mexican-American, you run with the Chicanos. If you're a, a black, you run with the blacks. Now, sometimes there are a few mixes in there, but everything is racially segregated. Mm-hmm. So the races will fight each other all the time, and therefore your your best um, defense is to be in shape.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So if you're in prison and you're white you will go to the head of the whites and the head of the whites will break it down to you or one of his men will and they'll say you need to be here at this time you need to be here at this time you need to be working out so many hours a day because you need to be in shape in case something happens Mm. and uh, something happens quite often down there
1: yeah yeah um when how often i mean and what what leads to those things
0: It could be anything. One of the riots that happened down there is because somebody disrespected somebody else's football team.
1: Oh, like their professional football team they liked? Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. And... uh,
1: I wouldn't last long. No. (laughs) All all I do is disrespect football
0: teams. (laughs) It was... uh, Yeah, it could be over something as simple as that. It could be something as a racial slur. Mm. So, for instance, in prison, you are to respect every race. So if I were to call somebody, uh, you know, by a racial slur um if my own people didn't take care of me, then they would yeah so what happens is you end up getting tuned up by your own people wow. um yeah or this is the other thing if all fights have to be one-on-one so say there's two guys fighting one guy then it will start everybody fighting the race where the two guys were involved you see what I'm saying wow. and then it will become a riot
1: so there are a number of unwritten rules like a
0: it's kind of a, a an interesting um, thing that people who are put into prison for breaking the law have a lot of laws. They have a lot of rules. Yeah. It's just that these rules are there for a reason to maintain control. Yeah. And in a yard like Cibola, there's a, there's a saying that, you know, they, the cops, they don't run this place. We run this place. Mm. So for instance, if they don't like the way something's done, nobody goes to work. Yeah. And then, you know, nobody gets, all of a sudden the cops are running all the food from different yards over and, you know, they'll just shut everything
1: down. Yeah, what what are some of the biggest misconceptions that people have about life in prison? Um, one of them is that there's
0: nothing to do. Hmm. Um, that's not quite right. Um, sometimes there, it seems like there's nothing to do. Um, one of it really annoys me when people say, "Yeah, they just sit around and play video games all day." That's hmm. not, totally not true. Yeah. Um, none of the yards I was at, you could do that. One of them had, in fact, even the inmates will not let let you sit on your rack and watch TV all day. Mm. So you have to be up and out and doing things. Oh, wow. So it's very regimented. Um, for instance, when I had to do, I took some courses um, while I was in college or while I was in prison. And I would have to get up at four in the morning yeah, just to find some quiet time and time to, to study. Wow. Um, because once, you know, chow hall hits at six thirty, your day's gone. Wow. You know, you're here, you're there, you got to go to work, you got to go to church and yeah. And there's not a lot of time. So you have to like carve out the time in the middle of the night or
1: wow. that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a misconception. I think a lot of people yeah. have, have, and, uh, even, myself, the idea of like waking up early to study, um, that, that's, that's surprising to me. Um, Uh, another one is that
0: the inmates are, are not too sharp. Oh, really? And yeah, yeah, well, you see, uh, some of these guys are brilliant Yeah, because all they have are books. Um, they'll quote, um, the art of war, you know, and that was required reading for um, a lot of people for a long time. They won't even allow it in the prisons anymore here. Yeah, but the other thing is uh, everybody. Everybody's smart at something. You yeah, know? everybody's good at something. Mm-hmm. And uh, it might not be reading and writing, but that doesn't mean they're dumb. Yeah, and it doesn't mean it also doesn't mean that they don't know how to think. Yeah, uh, and I think there's you know different nuanced ways of of going about that. You can go to I've I know college educated people who are not good thinkers. Hmm. Um. They're, they're more, they parrot ideas. Yeah. Um, anybody who's been on Facebook recently mm-hmm. can say something like that. <laughs> so, when dealing with people like this, if you want to get an idea across, you have to kind of speak in their language or according to their, you know, the way that they frame things or mm-hmm. the common reference. Um, they can't read all the time, mm-hmm. especially on the higher yards. It's interesting that. Um, when you get to a, a minimum security yard, everybody's literate all of a sudden. So you mm. do see a kind of a connection between literacy and uh, and crime.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, well, I, I, a question I have for you is I, I'm curious about how God was at work within you during that time. Well, um, it was very humbling for
0: me to go through that and it, it is humbling for anyone to go to prison because you know at any given time you're stripped naked you know mm-hmm. and uh you're you're searched um it's a humiliating process you're never called by your name
3: mm-hmm.
0: um last name only mm-hmm. so it's uh it, it's also kind of one of those instances where you're you're carrying around of guilt a lot of guilt and shame mm-hmm. and um you're put in a color that identifies you as someone who's, you know, supposed to be shamed. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Arpaio in his jail uses black and white stripes even in public because he uses shame as a tool.
3: You've
0: mm. recently had a thing in your Wednesday nights about shame and yeah. some of that's good. And some of it is not. Yeah. Some of it is a humiliation and humiliation will, will not create anything good. Right. So I was carrying around a lot of guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Lord was able to use me in certain ways while I was in there that um, that just broke my heart. That that let me know that He still loves me, mm. even though uh, even though I you know screwed up. Not only that, but He's still going to use me.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, that was powerful. So I got a lot of uh, work done inside, just uh, basically a lot of pride stripped away,
4: mm.
0: a lot of self centeredness. Yeah, that's the biggest thing he did for me.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, how did he work through you? He was at work in you. Um, but from our previous conversations, it sounds like he was really using you during that time. And and, and you were present there as, um, as an emissary uh, in many ways, as a missionary who was there. What did that look like? Well, I have been involved in ministry before, mm-hmm. you know.
0: I've taught, I've uh, pastored a church, um, and I've had moments, you know, where it seems like God has opened the floodgates mm-hmm. and really experienced blessing. Yeah. All of those pale in consideration of what happened when I was in prison.
4: Yeah.
0: Um, I went to some Bible studies, and um, once it becomes apparent through question and answer that you, you know, have a little knowledge, um, uh-huh. you're asked sometimes to teach. Or, so I started I didn't want to force myself on anybody, you know, but I started up and, and I tell you what, immediately, um, God just blessed it. Mm. The first time I preached in jail before I even got to prison, um, six guys came to the Lord Mm. or expressed faith in the gospel. Mm -hmm. And as we went on and on, you know, there would be up and down moments. The dangerous yard is the best place to be. Um, Mm -hmm. That's where people are really um, worried about about their soul, mm. and who are carrying a higher level of guilt, I think. Yeah, yeah. And so um, that's that's kind of an interesting commentary. It's when people know that they are in sin, mm-hmm. you know, or are really aware of it, they're more open to the gospel. So, uh, yeah, when we were um, in Cebola, sometimes um, as many as 40 people a week, mm. um, our Bible studies, we had them... Uh, we, we held our own because the chaplains never availed. One chaplain for 1,200 guys.
4: Wow.
0: You know, no, yeah, you know, no it's ridiculous. And yeah. and sometimes they would jump from yard to yard. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't oh, even wow. be on property half the yeah. time. So I didn't even, I think I met one guy once. Wow. And he, you know, never heard from him again. And then uh, there was a woman who came in. She didn't preach out of the Bible at all. She would read a poem or something. Mm. Um. Never really talked to her. Mm. Um, All of the ministry happening there is happening through inmates. Yeah. And uh, it's all over the place, too. (laughs) Excuse me. So uh, when I got there, there was uh, a church that met on the bleachers, aluminum bleachers out by the soccer field Mm. every morning, Monday through Sunday, and every evening, Monday through Friday. Mm. And they held church. Wow. And so they'd start with songs mm-hmm. and it was all a acapella. Mm-hmm. And then they'd go into Bible study, whoever was preaching. Mm. And some people were doing this and some people were doing that. And the evening night had a thing against the daytime guys. And so I was like, well, what is all this going on here? Yeah. So um, there's, there's also some competing things going on around you. There's um, devil worshippers over to the side. Oh, wow. Yeah. There's a... a on the soccer field, it's all gravel or sand. you know that Yuma sand real mm-hmm. well, they would draw a pentagram in there with a circle and it'd it sit mm-hmm. and chant right next to you while you're trying to preach. Oh wow, yeah, stuff like that. Um, Jewish uh, people with a, a messianic flow maybe mm-hmm. um, would come in and try to infiltrate the group and you know get people over to their side and it's it's very interesting having to deal with these people when you know that they would kill you actually or they might have been in for murder. Mm. You know, cuz that's the lowest you can go yeah. as a murderer is a medium. Uh you, you have to handle these moments of conflict very gingerly. Mm. Um but at the same time be firm. Um, yeah. But as we started working with these groups <clears throat> as we started working with these groups, I noticed that um their differences weren't really that far off, mm-hmm. and uh, we ended up uniting the two together, and kind of having an oversee the two
1: Christian ones.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah not the other ones.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so um, I was able to get some of the leaders together, and we had meetings for a while, and we actually organized the whole thing so that everybody was working together, mm-hmm. and if somebody needed a time off, they could get another speaker in there. Mm. And then we also did small groups in such a way to encourage people to do this in their own runs. Mm. So there was, say, two, four, uh, maybe, I don't even know. There's over 20 little places where people could do these things mm. in their housing unit. And what we would do is we'd say, look, um, just do the discovery discovery process. Mm. What does the scripture tell you about God? What does it tell you about you as a human? What does this tell you not to do? Bad ideas? Mm-hmm. Or what about, are you supposed to obey this? Or is this a command? And that's the only questions we would ask. Mm-hmm.
3: So,
1: <clears throat> I'm sorry, you can edit this part out, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> you, you, Jordan's got it. He's noting it.
0: Okay. So, um, Yeah, so what we did is we established discovery groups, and I taught them how to do that process. We'd have a little time of fellowship and uh, pastoral counseling in the beginning, Mm -hmm. prayer requests, praise reports, stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And then we'd read the scripture, uh, have everybody pray, um, and then, uh, you know, ask the questions of the text, and this would kind of empower these guys. So by the end of it, we were a lot more organized than we were at first, and we were also Mm -hmm. a lot more um, together. Mm-hmm. And that was my big thing. It's like, there can't be, oh, what Bible study do you go to? It has to be, I go to any Bible study. Yeah. So, and, uh, you know, the non-essential matters, we just didn't, we just didn't really mess with them. We talked yeah. about them, but, yeah. you know, we didn't get uh, emotional about it. So that was my, my goal. Cause I knew I was only going to be there for a year mm. and uh, I didn't want to just say, look, I saved X amount of people. I wanted to say, um, we were able to raise up a certain amount of leaders there who could continue the process, either on a one-on-one basis through discovery groups or on a you know platform type basis.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, if there's if there's one moment of God being at work that you never want to forget, your whole memory is going to be wiped out, but you can only remember this one moment. What would it be? Okay, well, I might get choked up on this one, but... You, you can feel free. <laughs> so um, there's a rule,
0: another rule in prison, that's 10 to 10. That means after 10 o'clock at night, before 10 o'clock in the morning, you are quiet. Mm-hmm. If you're not quiet, they will send you out sideways. And I've seen it happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was very cognizant of this rule. I get up at like 10.30, I have to go to the bathroom, and I'm and I'm over there at the bathroom, urinal, and mm-hmm. uh, this guy comes up next to me. And he says, hey, I see you... Uh, is he over there all the time with the Bible study? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, yeah. Says, um, I was thinking about doing that. And I'm thinking, okay, we're going to do this now. It's after 10 o'clock. Mm. And um, so here we go. You know, if this is of God, he will protect us. Yeah. So I said, yeah, what does that look like? What, what do you mean you need to get back into it? And he goes, well, all my family are Mormon. Mm. I said, yeah, but what does that have to do with your Bible study? And he mm-hmm. goes, well, I just don't know if God can forgive me. And he He went like this. He made a a gun symbol in his hand. Yeah. So he's basically saying, I've killed people. God Mm -hmm. doesn't want me. And I looked at him. I said, well, you know, someone's going to have to pay for that stuff you did. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, oh, my God. I just said that out loud. I'm going to die. (laughs) (laughs) And um, if I could paint a little more of a picture for you, this is not just some little guy. This is a big dude. He's a Samoan guy. He's heavily tatted.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, he doesn't have his glasses on, at, or he does have his glasses on at the moment, and they're like Coke bottle. His eyes are huge. Mm. He's got his dentures out, so he's all <laughs> snaggle-toothed. He's a rough-looking cat, tattoos down his face. And I'm thinking, all right, I just told this guy that someone's going to have to pay for what he did. Mm. And then uh, he, he kind of looked down at the ground, and he, he says, yeah, I know. And I said, that's bad news. And he goes, yeah, it's bad news. I said, well, you ever see those pictures of Jesus on the cross? And he said, yeah, yeah, well, of course. I mm. said, well, that's where someone paid for mm. the stuff you did. Mm. And he looked at me and I said, yeah, I said, Him, he didn't do that because he was a sinner. He mm. did that because and then I made the symbol he made, mm. you know, of holding the gun. And uh, I swear to God, in that moment, his eyes mm. lit up. Like if you could if you could see someone being born again, it, this is what it would have looked at. He yeah. looked like a child. He looked like uh, a kid who has seen the Grand Canyon for the first time. Mm. Like the amazement of the idea shocked him. And I said, um, I said that's good news, huh? Mm-hmm. He goes, Yeah, that's really good news. Yeah. And I said, you know what? That's what the gospel means. It's just good news, man. It's good news for all of us that God paid for the stuff that's keeping us from Him. But there's more, hmm. you know. He he actually lived a perfect life, so you can get credit for all that stuff he did. Hmm. He said, if you believe in Him, you know you can you can go to heaven. Hmm. He's like, wow, that's great. So anyway, um, just that whole thing of his, seeing His face and um, the simplicity of the moment. And and what really got me about it is this is a guy, here I am doing my Bible studies, this is a guy I had written off mm. in my mind. Yeah. I don't think intentionally. Yeah. This is, I mean, if I were Jonah, this is the Ninevite. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, he'd never received the gospel. And so I, I never even talked to him about it. Yeah. And it was very convicting um, because I'm thinking, well, how many people have I done that to, or how many people are doing that right now, or... You know, certain people don't want to go and preach in the prisons because they're like, oh, they're lost causes. But man, that's where all the fruit is. That's mm-hmm. where all, you don't have to convince them of sin. You just have to give them the answer to sin.
4: Yeah, yeah.
0: And that's half the battle. Yeah. And um, just seeing the immediate, like, willingness to, to want to believe it, to see mm-hmm. hope spring in the soul of someone coming through their face and shining off of them. Mm-hmm. It was a, a very moving experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, as we're pressing into the season of prayer and action, can you give us some ways we can be praying for those who are incarcerated and anyone else connected to the system? Yeah,
0: you could be. There's a lot of ways you could be praying for them, but I know what they would want you to pray for is they would want you to pray for their families. Mm. It would strike me in every prayer meeting we ever held, the first thing anyone asks about is not themselves, is their Mm. families, their friends. But what they need is restoration, uh, reconciliation. Um, they need reconciliation with God and with family. Mm. Um, my wife used to come visit me all the time. Yeah. And I tell you what, there's not a lot of guys whose wives come visit them and stay with them.
3: Mm.
0: Uh, kids don't get a visit. It's, it, you know, a lot of these guys make phone calls and nobody answers the phone. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, they don't have a connection. They don't have a family. Mm. So that's why, you know, that's where gangs come. So Yeah. you, You know, just pray for that. That would be the biggest benefit to them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What about becoming a people of action? Like what are some tangible actions, some ways that people can show up? Um, well, I'm going to put a
0: plug in here for Alongside ministry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a guy there named uh, Michael Awuma. I spoke with him earlier in the week. And uh, what he does is he goes into the prisons with people. About five years from now, I'm going to go and do this. You mm. can't do it until you've been off uh, paper for five years. Yeah. Uh, but he takes people into the prisons and pairs them up with inmates. Mm-hmm. So you get a one-on-one connection with someone. Which will, uh, it's designed to last for the rest of your life. Yeah. So when this person that you're assigned to uh, uh, meets with you, you go over certain papers and uh, like a Bible study. Mm -hmm. But when he gets out, if he doesn't have a ride, you give him a ride. Um, If he needs to go to the social security office, if he needs to go um, to another court date, if he has to, you know, you're there with him. Mm -hmm. And I love that idea the Mm. idea of coming alongside someone because that's what Jesus did you know he comes alongside us with the holy spirit every day that, that idea of paraclete you know the, yeah the one who, who was right there for you um that that's a, a great thing but if you don't want to go into the prisons they still have need of um say mentors or uh, people who have life skills to come in and teach the people who are in their halfway house so alongside ministries O's owns several properties in the phoenix area where um, they serve as halfway houses to Mm -hmm. the inmates. Now, once the inmates go out, they continue to do their Bible studies, they continue to go to church, they continue to go to celebrate recovery, all of these things. So, um, you know, the ministry itself needs uh, finances like all ministries Mm -hmm. do, but volunteers for mentors, for teachers, for prayer partners, um, they even need cooks, um, donated cars that they could— fix and sell to the guys uh, who are in need of getting new cars. Uh, but if you have life skills and finances, health, working out recovery, even uh, good advice about courting, hmm. you know,
3: mm-hmm.
0: go down there and spend a few hours talking to the guys and yeah, teaching them how to do things. That would be really great. Um, it's interesting to read about Paul when he was in prison, hmm. you know, uh, talking about people coming coming to encourage him.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Or when you hear Jesus saying, you know, where, you didn't come visit me when mm-hmm. I was in prison. Oh, you did come visit me. Yeah. And he didn't say you you brought the message of the gospel, which is important, mm-hmm. obviously, but it's also, you just didn't come visit me. Yeah. You know, come and, and spend some time with me. Yeah. So uh, for, if there are any churches across the valley who have any, any sort of uh, letter writing type yeah. ministries... I would recommend you get involved with that. So there's a multitude of ways that you can help people out.
1: That's great. Brian, I appreciate you a ton. I appreciate you taking the time here. Um, you're one of my favorite folks to talk to, so uh, it's good that I could uh, make an excuse to have another conversation through this podcast. So appreciate you a ton, man. Well, thanks for having me. Well, I am here with Bethany Banesh. This is uh, I don't I don't know if you know this Bethany, but you were one of the main inspirations for prayer and action groups to even be a thing. Uh, So uh, we were kind of praying and talking and wrestling with some stuff, it was Warren and I. And one of the things I was just kind of internally wrestling with um, is wanting more uh, people who are really doing something and really praying and really caring rather than social media diatribes. Um, Like that can have its place, but There, there was an out of balance, uh, for sure, and so kind of you and and your engagement with these things was really the model of like how can we get more of that. So, can you tell us? Very kind. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and then your history with criminal justice, both occupationally and volunteer wise?
5: Sure. So. Yeah, I'm Bethany, and yeah, I've been. If you've been around, you've probably heard me share kind of some of this story before, but I am a CPA, so I'm an accountant. So you wouldn't think that my job kind of touches the criminal justice system, but I work in a field called forensic accounting. So we do end up kind of parallel to the legal system, working with attorneys on kind of helping them create a case for or against someone or something. Uh, So my first job out of college was working in investigations mainly and I think it was probably the first case that I worked on was with a CFO who was embezzling funds and using them for his personal um, just funds and one of the areas he used it in was with his mistress and kind of flying her with him to his trips to Spain and uh, calling her his like, you know, administrative assistant. And we just kind of got tasked with uncovering like the emails and just kind of digging into a lot of his personal life to put together the story. And through that, I initially went into it thinking like he's a bad guy and I'm going to bring justice by getting him in trouble and showing all of the evidence against him. But once I started digging in, it really just broke my heart more than anything, um, just to see how much pain he was in and how much pain some of his actions had caused. And just, it was evidence that, you know, once a person just makes one mistake, they're often led to make more poor decisions, kind of to to try to protect himself from getting caught. Uh, So it really just showed, you know, these people aren't different than us. They're not like a different breed that, that makes criminal decisions. It's often just one poor choice that gets kind of extrapolated. So that um, kind of just broke my heart. And I noticed with my coworkers who sometimes ended up laughing about it, I realized I was thinking about it a little bit differently when I didn't want to laugh about it. I just was sad. <laughs> mm. um, so at that moment, I realized, I had a heart for people that kind of were in that position that were in legal trouble um, and just wanted to see how I could help. So um, after that, just looked into prison ministry and got involved with prison fellowship. And from 2015 to 2019, was going to Perryville Women's Prison uh, once a week to volunteer with incarcerated women and really emphasizing rancher skills and also just the freedom of the gospel and, um, just the grace that Jesus gives us. So
1: Hmm. that's cool. It it seems like there was a big, uh, shift to seeing the people who are incarcerated, uh, as created in God's image. Mm -hmm. Um, and how would you describe the way that you, and maybe some of your colleagues were viewing folks before what's the difference between seeing someone in God's image and whatever it was before
5: I think it kind of goes to uh, the what do you call it Jim the creation fall uh, redemption Redemption. restoration yeah 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 Um, just I think I was able to see you know this is just a normal human being you know, who was impacted by the fall and made this bad decision. And it doesn't mean he's stuck there and that's all that he is. Um, But I think, yeah, some people kind of viewed it as this is a guy that's different from us. And he's just, his identity is the fall. He's the person that we're going after. And that's all that he is to us. And he doesn't really have like the potential for redemption and, um, or like greater good.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So just viewing through the lens of the fall and not the whole story. That's right. um, Yeah. What, what were you doing in Perryville? Like what, what did the program look like? Yeah.
5: Yeah. So prison fellowships, it's a Christian organization. So first and foremost, we are um, advertised as a Christian group, but uh, we welcome anyone from any faith background to join, but we, we, meet with them. We meet with a group that they get interviewed and vetted to make sure that they want to be in the program and can commit to it. And it's not just like a activity, but something they really want to want to put their energy towards. And yeah, we work on things like establishing healthy boundaries with people, learning how to say no to people, because oftentimes uh, people in prison are people pleasers who are tending towards, um, not being able to say no when, you know, with peer pressure or, uh, maybe in relationships, uh, they struggle to say no. So that's a big one working on just like anger management or, um, uh, forgiveness. And then also, you know, basic life skills, like managing a budget and, Uh, helping them with their resume. So just doing what we can to establish kind of a healthy foundation to not return to prison is kind of the ultimate goal.
1: Yeah, yeah. So if someone was going to volunteer with prison fellowship, like what kind of commitment is that?
5: So if you want to go all in, which I recommend, but Hmm. it's not for everyone. (laughs) um, It would be once a week and they have different days of the week and it's in the evening. So I was able to kind of work out a agreement with my employers that I would leave at four and that was that was fine as long as I got my work done Um, or you could do weekend workshops which are there's they happen four times a year and you commit a Saturday and a Sunday to just be there from uh, morning to night basically and those are awesome too those the women love and the volunteers are always really great so yeah yeah those are the two main options
1: So where have you seen the character of God on display through the women at Perryville? Like, how do you see a little bit of what God is like through them?
5: Uh, Yeah. So this is huge. And I think uh, I often describe prison as kind of like another church space for me. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's been really, um, really important in in my faith journey. And I think one main aspect is more so the character of God's kingdom, I think is reflected in prison. Um, And by that, I mean, it's really the only church offering in prison. So Mm -hmm. there there is a Catholic service and I think that's it other than us. Mm -hmm. So you, you know, anyone that has any sort of Christian faith or interest is coming to our group. So you see, you know, Native American women, white women, black women, Mexican women, you know, any sort of ethnic background that would normally probably go to their own individual churches outside of prison, kind of are all worshiping together. And sometimes it kind of feels a little awkward, because we're used to our one way of doing things, but everyone kind of brings their own um, background to that room. And it's just a beautiful, uh, eclectic, worship experience and just, um, just having everyone's perspective in there, I think really is reflective of the kingdom of God wanting, uh, every tribe and nation kind of together. And I think it, it, um, works against kind of the culture of tribalism that we have right now Hmm. of just tending towards people like ourselves, um, in that prison room, you have everyone that's a lot different from each other just building each other up. So that's a huge, huge way. And I think uh, for me personally, it's been really helpful um, to have that in in a time like today's culture. Um, So that's one. And then secondly is just the amount of empathy that these the women that I've met with have. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of them have reached a point of what people would say is rock bottom. So you're kind of past platitudes mm-hmm. and it's like genuine connection with people. So through my time volunteering, I had um, both my mom fighting cancer and a miscarriage while I was in there. And both incidences I was met with just such genuine um, comfort uh, and just women responding with tears in their eyes and, um, just really encouraging me and, you know, kind of breaking the rules and giving me hugs, mm. which you're not supposed to do, but just really felt like I had friends there that yeah. um, loved me and, and could empathize with me um, because, you know, they they had hit rock bottom themselves and, and really uh, learned how to empathize really well.
1: That's really cool. Yeah. Well, um, you've been leading the Criminal Justice Prayer and Action Group and um, curating a lot of the reading and the speakers, and I know that you've put in a lot of time prior to this group, but what are some important insights that you've picked up through some of the speakers and readings that we've had recently?
5: Yeah, I think it's been great. I've encouraged everyone I know to get involved in a prayer and action group, just Mm -hmm. because I mean, the group, I've been super impressed with how engaged everyone's been and how um, everyone is, you know, equally as passionate as mm. you or I or um, yeah, yeah, so that's been cool. Um, I think for me, probably the most, one of the most striking things happened in the first few weeks when we talked about um, punishment and the different types of punishment and what punishment um, means as a Christian and through the gospel lens. And we talked about um the verse an eye for an eye a tooth for a tooth Mm -hmm. and how sometimes for people that are maybe more left-leaning that might be like challenging because they think um uh you know is that just saying that we're pro-punishment all the time and Mm -hmm. you know the death sentence is what we should pursue and um maybe that's used to justify some sort of punishment sometimes, but really if you understand that verse and can kind of break it apart, it's advocating for fair and proportional punishment. So um, that kind of challenges some of the laws that we currently have, where you might be punishing someone um, like with super superfluous uh, amounts of years, just to make an example of them, like Mm -hmm. that's not doing an eye for an eye type of punishment. Um, And also like, probation violations like Jordan and I were just talking about someone we know who got who was incarcerated originally for armed robbery and got five years and then a few years later got eight years for intention to commit a marijuana violation
3: mm. so
5: just the fact that he got eight years for an intention to commit a marijuana violation mm. doesn't really seem fair and proportional Yeah. so I think um That was really eye-opening to me because that verse I I didn't really know how to apply it to this story and kind of talking about it as a group uh really illuminated it for me to just pursue what's fair and proportional. That was a big thing. Um and I think just the theme of the speakers week after week have just been showing kind of choose one thing and -hmm. make that your thing and just own it. That's kind of what I've kind of gained is that you can really have an impact if you're committed to one area of this, whether it's, you know, working with, you know, kids in your neighborhood, or, um, you know, for me, it's women in Perryville, you know, that's Mm my, my avenue, or advocating for one specific policy, Um, just kind of choosing one thing and just believing that you can drive an impact if you're consistent.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, what about prayer? I mean, we, uh, as a church, we're going to be praying a lot in this season and encouraging people to pray for the criminal justice system and the prison system. Uh, but who are some of the overlooked people or overlooked issues that we can be praying about and for during this time?
5: Yeah. So I was talking about this last night with my husband thinking about it. Um, for me, um, I think we we often hear, especially in church circles, about you know the foster care system and um, helping kids. And you know, previously we've done like Title I schools, um, helping them with Christmas presents and things like that. Um, and all of that is super good and super important, especially because that can lead, you know, ultimately to incarceration as adults. But I think sometimes when we're overemphasized in that area our minds can kind of compartmentalize the adults mm. the parents is like a lost cause you know we're yeah. so focused on the kids but um who's really considering the parents that may have gotten these kids into a bad situation you know th- that's awful and they need to be accountable for that but it doesn't mean their life is over and they mm. can't be redeemed so
3: yeah
5: to me it's it is those parents and it is those adults that you know, maybe did commit a crime or had some poor decisions along the way, but um, still have a lot of life to live and, um, you know, they can be forgiven too. So for me, it's the adults that are incarcerated and, you know, especially with longer sentences um, that people just kind of throw away.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think,
5: and I think angel tree is a great option because it it's a both. And, you know, you're connecting those parents with the kids too. So I'm excited about, about that.
1: Yeah. Angel tree allows us to be, uh, servants on behalf of the parents. Um, yeah, not in replacement of, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, uh, what about action, uh, for those who are interested in engaging, what are some of the opportunities? So like, what would be a few simple things that are just kind of entry level? I don't have a ton of time all the way Mm -hmm. to uh, if people wanted to enter into a career, make a career change, what would be Mm -hmm. some of the things that come to mind?
5: Um, I think just in your life, there's a lot of decisions you can make that don't require time commitment, but just a commitment um, to yourself basically. So like one thing, uh we try to do it at our home is we seek out independent contractors who are like unattached not not employed by anyone but just working for themselves because we've often found if you do some googling you can find they probably have a criminal history so mm. um you know instead of doing a background check and disqualifying them we do a background check and then qualify them
1: that, <laughs> we, that that's one of the more kingdom things i've ever heard of like That feels very Jesus like. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Well, Well, that's, and that's one thing, you know, I'm in prison, you know, promising them that I'm going to help them get a job. And then if I, if I am on the outside and finding out someone has a criminal record and rejecting them, it's, it feels very hypocritical. So, Mm. um, yeah, so we, you know, anyone, anytime we have like a yard project or things like that, we really try to seek out people that, you know, are really independent contractors, um, and might maybe have a criminal history. So um, that's one thing anyone can do, Um, Mm -hmm. really just seeking out, giving opportunities to people like that. Um, And yeah, also, um, you know, support any sort of legislation or, you know, anyone running for office that supports better employment, uh, employment or hiring policies for people with criminal records. Yeah, and I think I'm just kind of throwing this at you, Jim, and I haven't vetted this through, but potentially like during election seasons, we can get together and kind of help people through, you know, different policies and and where they stand on, um, you know, some of those, the criminal justice issues. Um, But yeah, so voting is a big thing. And then also, yeah, I think volunteer organizations, there's prison fellowship there's another one called alongside ministry is, you know, very similar, very engaged in prisons. Mm-hmm. Um, there's quite a few people in our prayer and action group that are just straight involved with the Adobe uh, juveniles, juvenile correctional mm-hmm. place. I don't exactly know the name, but um, mm-hmm. just with juveniles, you can volunteer with them. Um, and then there's, you could be a uh, volunteer for CASA or Big Brothers Big Sisters to help um, kids that are kind of at risk uh, to uh, help them be a mentor and just uh, make sure that they stay on the right path
1: yeah that's awesome well thank you for being an example of that and for leading the prayer in action group um, appreciate you a ton Bethany and
2: uh, thanks for jumping thank on the podcast yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode Of the All of Life podcast To get
0: more information on Redemption Church Tempe You can download the Redemption Tempe app Or you can send an email to Tempe at redemptionaz.com